Are you looking for a great podcast for your drive to work? Do you want to laugh so hard the beer shoots out of your nose? Hopefully, those aren't happening at the same time. But you've come to the right place. You're listening to the Cozy History Podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome once again to the Cozy History Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm joined today, as always, by Austin. Austin is going to be our presenter today. Austin, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. You look I great. I was a little, uh, you look great as well. <laughs> I was pissed off earlier in traffic, but I think everyone's pissed off in traffic. You think of, it's funny, I don't think anyone, I'll think this all the time, I don't think anyone's a good driver. I like public public transportation. I do too. It's consistent. And you know what? People who think that they're good drivers, a lot of times they drive too slow. And then you're just a hazard yeah. to everybody else. You're too cautious and clogging up traffic. The people who need to get to the hospital stuck behind you. <laughs> a woman. There's a, a lot woman of people who know birth. they're shitty drivers. It's scary when someone goes... Oh, I'm a terrible driver. And they give you their list of yeah accidents and cars they've wrecked. I once had an Funny Uber. Story. I once had an Uber driver who did that. I told uh, I told a friend of mine about the topic I was doing today, and uh, so I've already told Sam it's the Boston Tea Party. I told a friend about when they boarded the boats and these colonists painted up as uh, Mohawk Indians with feathers, headdresses, and whatnot, went to the captains of the boat, and they said, all right, give us the keys. And they wanted the keys to the tea boxes, and he was like, what? They have keys? He was talking about the, he was talking about the vessels, the boats. I was like... Wait, what are you talking? Oh no, <laughs> sailboats don't have keys, man. No, you I don't. You nowadays, don't turn them on. Do. Yeah. How do I turn this thing off? <laughs> it just goes to show how much people need to hear about this episode. They need this topic. Yeah. They definitely, definitely do. So. This topic. Um. I'm sure a lot of you may have seen it in the news, maybe not the news on social media, but the Boston Tea Party happened, well, now that we're recording, just over 250 years ago. So, December 16th, 1773, and I was kind of excited to research it a little because I don't recall very much, not very much about Revolutionary War history. I know a decent amount about the Civil War. Um, say like World War One, World War Two, got it down. But I mean, I was in seventh grade when we covered it in school. Yeah, you probably know all that, the hits. Yeah, like Paul Revere. Like all of the. Yeah, they'll be like, I'll look up, um, big, big uh, points that led up to the Boston Tea Party. Say. Okay, the Sugar Act, Stamp Act, which I'll go over these in a second. And I remembered these names, but I didn't know what it was. And honestly, I hope to give the audience a better kind of picture 
of what was going on and Sam also knows a lot about this topic, so he can help out a lot, too. Well, I just want to—people need to know the name Governor Thomas Hutchinson. Yeah. They need to know about that man. Loyalist scum. Loyalist scum. We're going to tar and feather him. I I hope we talk about tar and feathering. It's, like, got to be one of the craziest punishments you could do to anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh— I heard a lot about it. I think um, leading up to the Boston Tea Party, so we can just sneak that in right now as well, but something like 40 or 50 loyalists, and this may have been in Boston alone, Mm -hmm. were tarred and feathered. So that was what? A 10-year period? And when you think of tarring and feathering, it's kind of funny. It's definitely humiliating you put tar on someone oh it's painful feathers on them it's extremely painful the hot tar that you get put on your driveway smells like shit sticks to your skin and when you rip it off it just creates open sores open wounds and uh and sometimes sometimes they will once you're once they put the hot tar then the feathers on you they would occasionally they would occasionally light the feathers on fire I okay, so that was more common then. Yeah, because they mentioned that happened to one. Yeah. Okay, Jesus. Yeah. So, people, it's good to live into today's age, honestly. (laughs) So we're gonna start off here, the Seven Years' War, French and Indian War. We mentioned this in the uh, Florida, in the Florida episode, where the Seminoles and the Creek Indians, um. A lot of things went on. It was a huge war, and Britain basically consolidated power around the globe in India and in the North America colonies. I don't think they had any business, no business in South America at all. But North America was a British colony. The reason we speak English pretty much nationally today. um, 13 British colonies. Thirteen British colonies. At the beginning of the Seven Years' War, Britain had 75 million pounds of national debt. And by the end of it, so it started in 1756, and then in 1763, they doubled that debt, had 103 million pounds of debt. And I was wondering, if you win a war like that, who are you in debt to? Right? Probably like, like nowadays we have German German banking banking houses or something. That was that's what I found out. Yeah, it was British bankers. So this will tie in later as well. So British private interests. Oh, to and the, then Dutch bankers. Yeah, Dutch bankers, German bankers. I mean, they they fought the French, they fought the Spanish, so they're not owing them money. Oh, like we talked about. I mean, it was a world war. Yeah, yeah, no. the first the people say it was the first world war, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah, they they were waging war across the ocean. That's something that's you got to notice too about this time. It takes 4 to 6 weeks to get across the ocean. So even news, so they'll pass one of these tax acts and the king king parliament whatever says new tax act. And there's someone on a boat going across the Atlantic just thinking like as soon as I get there, they're going to be really pissed <laughs> off about this. 
And also, say, the Boston Tea Party happens. That was in December. The acts that happened afterwards didn't happen until, you know, middle of January. Yeah. Because they just didn't know. And the same thing, they're like, oh, people in Britain are going to be pissed off about this. So, Anyways. like, we're recording right now on January 5th. You know, the king probably still doesn't know. Back in the 250 years ago, they would probably be sending a ship across the ocean right now to tell the king. Yeah, no chance he knows by now. Yeah, that's crazy. In a, in a week or two, in a few weeks, he's going to figure out and be furious. So, apparently half of Britain's national, uh, half of their, what would that be called, their budget for the yeah. year was spent on interest yeah. in these payments. Wow. They're broke. They're completely broke. They're looking for ways to tax. They're looking at ways they can make up this money. And there are a bunch of uh, different tax ideas bounced around in Parliament. There was a man named... the So the Prime Minister, John Stewart, um, was convinced by all of these wealthy Parliament members... Instead of taxing land, we're going to tax import duties, which is very specific to instead of taxing the rich people who have the money the and could pay off this debt. Yeah. And also the landowners are the ones who a lot of these landowners and aristocratic members of the government are owed the debt in the first place. Yeah. So they're kind of using the government as a body to get their money back from the poor people who don't have much already. Who are, who are getting some of their stuff from, from Britain. and from yeah, yeah, and I mean, this, it's, you'll, you'll notice this kind of like cyclical pattern that the colonists and also people in Britain weren't happy about a lot of these taxes either, that they know what's going on. So the first one, the Sugar Act, 1764. They lowered, technically they lowered the price of molasses but then they harshened the all of the punishments for smugglers in the united states normally they would go to a local tribunal court mm -hmm. and there would be a jury but instead now they went to a royal court this is specifically for the colonies yeah and maybe even for britain too but normally well, you'd get kind of a slap on the wrist from what i understand just, back then you know smuggling was just like an american tradition you know, most of these rich people had had interest in like smuggling ships, and rather than pay a tax on the molasses that you're bringing up to make your rum, you know, all of a sudden now you have to pay taxes on that on that molasses. So you were basically getting like tax free rum from the molasses, and now they're making you pay. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it was. I don't know whether the term taboo taboo almost seems like a. It's like used only in sexual but yeah it was definitely clandestine but someone could be making their money off of smuggling and their kids know and their friends know and it's not it's not a point of contention oh yeah it's, in their it, it was social it was circles. an everyday thing yeah yeah so they're so they're um, trying to shut down the smugglers yeah it's it's funny and it shows how out of touch that the aristocrats were in this time too that they're thinking, oh, we're lowering the price for molasses or tea. But in reality, they're cutting out these smugglers who are the everyday normal people mm -hmm. in the colonies. 
and then they're harshening the penalties, so they're making their everyday life scarier and scarier. Well, the smuggled molasses so is probably pretty cheap anyway. Yeah, right? It comes yeah. from... Who knows? From, I guess. From the Caribbean? Massachusetts pretty far away from the Caribbean, but much closer oh, yeah, than Britain. It's coming from giant slave plantations down there. Definitely. Then came the Stamp Act. They're just because looking for ways to get stamps. revenue. People love their stamps. Little stamps with ducks on them and snowmen and, and, and little pictures of Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> and the American flag, hell yeah! Austin showing me some, some stamps. I got some, I got some stamps right here he he, on my he desk. Had stamps on deck. American flag stamps, and those are cheap. The Stamp Act. So, was it actually about stamps? Well, they needed stamps, kind of like how if you buy a carton of or carton pack of cigarettes, you'll see the stamp of the state that they were produced. Usually, it's going to be. If someone has a pack of cigarettes, you can look at them. It'll be Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Shout out Kentucky. Or Virginia, usually. And then the state you're in. So in Illinois, it'll be Kentucky and then Illinois. Which, they're taxing us like this now and we haven't revolted yet. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but they needed, they needed these, these stamps on everything. So newspapers, almanacs, pamphlets... Any, I don't know what broadsides what? are. It's like legal documents. A broadside is, is a broadside is like a like a one sheet like newspaper. Okay. So anything that had paper dice. in it has to have a stamp. Dice and playing cards. Oh shit. Pretty much anything with paper, which shows you who they're going at. They're going at people who can pay these taxes. Well, like the everyday and the everyday working man is going to have to get paper. If he's going to, like, write his will or exactly. anything, you know? Legal documents. Uh-huh. So every single legal document. That also goes into the oversight that the British government had on them. They, they're thousands and thousands. So far away, why do they dictate my will? My final will and testament. Mm-hmm. And also this dice and playing cards. You'll notice later with the Sons of Liberty... A lot of these secret societies would meet in taverns. And so it's funny how <clears throat> I, I think these people were already meeting in taverns, probably as far back as it, I was saying, probably before 1765. Mm-hmm. But they're just sitting there pissed off. Like these dice that we're using, had to, we had to pay taxes to use these. So first was the Stamp Act. Then was the Quartering Act. Um, formerly known as formally so the real name was mutiny act but it was called the quartering act okay 1765 so is this before Uh, is this before or after the boston massacre do you know this is before okay okay so this one there was a second quartering act okay that was after after this all okay that's what i was thinking i think around 75 or so so this one didn't allow British troops into private homes, but another pubs mentions pubs. The soldiers basically had to get their tabs paid for in inns. They were staying in the barracks, but they, if they were needed, they would have to have a free stay at inns, pubs. A lot of these pubs had 
rooms you can yeah. sleep in if you're too drunk. And basically other, uh, like, bed and breakfasts. If it was a business that you could sleep uh, at. You know they're running up the a tab. The soldiers could stay. They're definitely running up a tab if they're staying at a hotel or an inn at the time oh, period. Picture how much that would piss you off if, I mean, even U.S. soldiers, if they're just drinking at the bar you're at, and probably starting fights, getting mm-hmm. hammered, and you know that they're not paying for a single thing. That's... And I'm joining the Sons of Liberty. I'm, if that happens in the absolutely. U.S., I'm joining the Sons of Britain. We're going back to British subjects. It's ridiculous. So, interestingly, for whatever reason, Boston had one of the biggest issues with the troops being closer to the town center. It may have because been because of uh, formerly mentioned, uh, what was his name? Uh, Thomas Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. It may have been because of him. I don't know, I didn't look too much into it, but places like New York, the troops would mainly just stay in barracks. Boston had a huge problem with the troops just entering closer and closer into their everyday life, and especially after, so next comes the Townsend Axe, Townshend Axe, that taxed glass, lead, paint, and tea. That was the first tea tax. They're They're taxing paper, molasses, everything. Every material you, yeah. that you could use. And also, think back then. People aren't buying much shit. There's not all of these funky inventions on Amazon. Yeah. What do you have in your house? Like a, <laughs> These like things they're taxing kettle. are pretty much... Yeah, they're <laughs> half the shit you got in your house you're paying taxes on. Like, imagine paying like um, consistent taxes on your phone. Actually, we do pay taxes on our on our freaking... On almost everything now. Damn it. Also, um, I don't know if it came in effect yet but in my research i was also seeing that especially by the tea act there were british parliament or maybe even u.s uh british representatives that were fully paid off of these taxes so instead of being paid by taxes from the people for land tax anything else i believe it was just the tea tax or maybe once they Eventually, so three years later, there were a lot of uh, quarrels over this. One of the big reasons, so troops were already heavy in Boston, then more troops moved in because people were getting pissed off. This moves, yeah, three years later. Three years later, yeah. This is what we know as, in March 1770, the Boston Massacre. And that is a very framed name. Mm-hmm. A very politicized, More or less propaganda. extremely politicized yeah. name there. Yeah. The, I don't know how many people were in that crowd. Do you know? It was like 30, 40 people maybe? Yeah. Throwing, Just throwing rocks. Throwing rocks and snowballs and stuff at, the, at a small group of British soldiers. And, uh, yeah. And then somehow and they, they were fired shot. into the crowd. Yeah, they fired into the crowd. Left five dead, six wounded. All of the, uh, political cartoons, if you will, across the country or the colonies depicted this as a massacre, right? That British troops were just flagrantly killing Americans. I keep on not knowing what to call them. Colonists? Colonists is probably the best term because they wouldn't call themselves Americans. John Adams actually defended the uh, 
British troops during yeah. the Boston Massacre trials. Um, if anyone didn't know that, interesting fact. Well, John Adams, uh, John Adams was a Amer- was a patriot. He he was, uh, but but I think he had such a respect for the rule of law, and he believed that these guys deserved a fair trial. So he really did, and you got to respect that about him. Yeah, it's an honorable move. So then, what what, um, what happened next? Uh, we've had the Boston massacre. Now, Governor Hutchinson is is he he's in place at this point, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's still in place. He doesn't leave until I think it was seventy four or seventy five, probably seventy four, middle of the year seventy four, and then they he left for good. Mm-hmm. He I don't know if he went back to Britain, but he yeah, disappeared. He went into hiding. Well, he, and they that's when they put in. A it was a military oh, leader yeah. for Boston. Well, he, so um, Hutchinson was a was a the governor of the colony, and it was his job to implement all these tax, all these taxes, and he's supposed to mm-hmm. hire the the tax men and the tax assessors and everything. And a lot of times, it's these tax tax assessors and the tax men that are the ones that are getting tarred and feathered, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're enforcing the taxes. Yeah. Because they're going after these normal people, and they're the ones ratting them out. Uh, I mentioned a second ago, so we're only, the Tea Party doesn't happen until 73. This is 1770. They, um, that the massacre happens. Uh, I mentioned they lift the Townshend Axe. I don't know, I think it was, yeah, almost right after the Boston Massacre, they probably noticed that they were going a little too far, but they didn't lift the tax on tea. I think that um, I've heard this a lot, that it was kind of targeting the colonies too. The East India Trading Company had a stockpile in Britain of 17 million pounds of tea. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Wow. Partly due to their, um, they were losing clients all over the world. The there was a lot of Dutch smugglers, so mm-hmm. the colonies would buy from Dutch smugglers or their own certain surrogates, whoever they would. So part of the reason why they've kept this tax on tea is to make sure that the British East India Company doesn't go under. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure all these politicians in Parliament, they all have stock in the British in the East India Company. Exactly, and. And we're, we mentioned, okay, this is, they're taxing the things that are in every American's house. Now they're going specifically after the tea, partly because tea was a, before it was a luxury and now it's becoming a, even a less well-to-do family could afford a nice cup of tea, mm-hmm. a nice dinner <clears throat> and tea. And the few things that you have to enjoy in your colonial life you'll get yeah for real you can be, <laughs> the last like witch executions were sometime like right before this time yeah. you know there's not a lot of fun shit you can do no you're you're, you're <laughs> like living in next to like a shitty swamp and you're like drinking bad water all day you know yeah. you're missing half your teeth you got you have that's such a good point you have few luxuries They're, back then and now, they're taxing they're taxing the molasses so it's more expensive to get drunk yeah and <laughs> even at this time there were 
uh, a lot of Protestants were uh, prohibitionists. What's the term? And they didn't they didn't drink, and they were starkly They're against drinking. Yeah, and one of the only things you can do is just get a little buzz off of drinking tea and they're taxing it. They're still taxing it. Three years later, the Tea Act, and this is what the straw that broke the camel's back, as they like to say. So they're trying to get rid of this huge surplus of tea that's sitting in Britain. The East India Trading Company, which is, of course, partly owned by all of these rich people, these rich aristocrats in England, the British, gov- the British government tries to cut them a favor to get rid of this tea. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those weird things, like, why do they do that? Probably because they all have stake in this company. Yeah. And they make the price of tea cheaper again. But then they make the punishment even harsher. So what does that mean? Basically, they're bringing the tea directly to the harbors themselves. If anyone else is found with tea, they're fucked. I don't know what the punishment would be if you smuggled tea, but you're going to a uh, British court. So it's possible if you brought enough, I don't know, you oh, might be gonna fuck beaten, you. put in prison. Yeah, they're going to fuck killed. you over. I don't know if you'd be killed for this, but it, it would be one of the worst things to happen in your life, getting caught. Well, it's one of those reasons why in, in the American Constitution you have to be judged by a jury of your peers. Because back then you were being judged by a jury of like British naval officers, you know. So unfair judicial system. Attack that onto the list. Yeah. Partly here too about that smuggling. I love how you can compare it to how everyone knows a guy for something. Mm-hmm. Like someone, someone knows a mechanic. Maybe you know, you know a guy who you get really cheap cell phones. Maybe you know a guy who just things keep on falling off a truck. You're like, where'd you get that dishwasher for 200 bucks? Fell off a truck. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Oh, okay. But everyone knows someone like that. Yeah. Like lumber. Oh, this guy, this guy finds copper for free all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask him where it's coming from because it's probably, he's probably just cutting it out of houses. <laughs> but everyone, everyone knows a guy. And with all these taxes and then the T one, they're just, completely trying to eliminate that market they're screwing over these americans and now it comes to so that was the t act was in may of 1773 november 1773 through december of 1773 remember the tea party happened on december 16th so these three ships the beaver the dartmouth and the eleanor rest in boston harbor part of the tea act too so normally there was a auctioning system where the tea was sold in england and then brought over but now just all of these weird aristocrats thinking that the colonists will go along with it start shipping it directly to the united states and they have to pay for it for it to be unloaded or else the ships won't leave the colonists the people rep- representing the mer- the merchants in Boston are saying no just leave we're boycotting it yeah the ships could not part of the tea act and the laws at the time was if the ships went back to britain that tea would be confiscated pretty much taken by the government 
Oh, wow. Fucked up laws. I don't understand all of this double thinking it, but they're trying to force these colonists to buy the tea. They didn't want it. They're boycotting it. They were definitely drinking tea that they're smuggling in. So they're, they're forcing and, the captains not to turn around either. That's crazy. Yeah, that, so that's something it mentions that Thomas Hutchinson would not let the ships leave. But I know that the captains wouldn't leave because they knew that the, they'd just get stopped. Everything would be confiscated. And mm-hmm. they'd basically be in debt. And even more screwed. So these ships... So Boston, first of all, I love that one of them is called that? the Beaver. I love that. Yeah, the Beaver. The big old Beaver. The big old Beaver just sitting in Boston Harbor waiting for some yeah. for some uh, people in blackface. <laughs> right? It's a yeah, little bit so fucked up. In total, it, it, is, it is pretty fucked up. In total, there were 46 tons of tea on these boats. Wow. Which 46 tons... Tea also not very dense, so this is just tons and tons, mm-hmm. literally, of tea. Huge crates full. Something I read was that one ton of tea could pay for Paul Revere's house at the time. Mm-hmm. Wow. So and it's you know he was pretty well off. Was yeah. He was like a silversmith. Like, yeah. Yeah, and then also someone mentioned that the equivalent today would be about one million U.S. dollars the tea was worth, but I think that's a bad representation. I think the houses, so 46 of Paul Revere's houses is what yeah. was destroyed. Yeah. Like a million of today's dollars. I don't know. I mean, you, could, you, you could couldn't buy a house in downtown Boston for $46 million, for $1 million today. Yeah, probably not even an apartment, Oh, frankly. probably not. Let's take a look into it. I've got the fact checkers looking at Paul Revere's house. Let's check it out. Yeah. Oh wow! It was yeah, a it was a two story. It was a Dale? Two- Dale heard about Paul Revere's house in copper, and now he's he's trying to go get some copper. <laughs> he's for crawling himself. out the window. No, Dale, stop it! <laughs> yeah. Damn it! Don't get relapse. Back here. <laughs> don't relapse. And so it's a very it's an extremely nice house. I mean, especially for the time period, it's you know two stories with a half like half story attic above, and it's got I mean it's. It's way bigger than my house. You've seen my house. Probably fit mm-hmm. four or five of my house in this. Okay, so more or less a mansion. Essentially. Here, let's. I'll get. I'll get Dale to show you. Oh yeah, yeah. It's huge. It's huge. So this is a lot of tea. Forty-six of those. Yeah. So it's those a significant nice. amount of money. Yeah, up until this point, T's just sitting there, rotting on the boats. The captains are uneasy. There's definitely something going on. So I mentioned the Sons of Liberty earlier. That was formed back in 1765. Definitely in response to, so probably formed the Sons of Liberty, Liberty specifically, probably around the time of the Stamp Act. So that was one of the first ones that really started pissing people off. Sugar Act. First one mentioned in school classes or whatever, but around the Stamp Act is when Sons of Liberty formed. So this was a coalition of a bunch of other tavern groups. And so people would go to the tavern, talk politics, probably pick one that no British troops were in. Yeah. Specifically, this is for Boston. There were similar groups in New York, uh, Philadelphia. Which are the three biggest cities at the time period. 
Mm-hmm. They, uh, they met at this bar called the Green Dragon Tavern, apparently. Hell yeah. I would love to go there, I would go there if now. I visited Boston. <laughs> I'll go there right? and plot dissent with the boys. Also, that was, uh, so it, 1765, so this is eight years ago, is around the time that they coined the no taxation without representation. They said, we want colonists, people who are loyal to the colonies in the royal government, in mm-hmm. the MP, like M- colonist MPs. They didn't get it. Now, I mentioned we're at the Bo- day of the Boston Tea Party today. So they had a meeting of the body of the people. A lot of the leaders of the body of the people were these um, Sons of Liberty. Okay, yeah. And it's called Sons of Liberty, but there was also a lot of women involved with this. They weren't usually, I mean, they were probably super protected, but very integral in keeping secrets. You know, you can't, I'm sure there was bounties to rat your husband out if uh, he was involved in the Boston Tea Party. It would be easier for women to pass messages and stuff, too. They're not going to be suspected by the British. Or say you're sprinting away from a British soldier and you need somewhere to hide. And a woman opens her door. She's like, get in now. Like, well, we'll, you can chill here. We know they're running after you. We'll say we didn't see you. Whatever. And that's that's the type of thing that was happening quite often. Um, They met at the Old South Meeting House is what it's called. At the time, it was the biggest building in Boston. It used to be a uh, Puritan meeting house or a Puritan house of worship. Mm Worship. Um, also called the Congregational Church. I don't know if they switched around and did different services there. It's interesting how back then they could just have these public meetings in churches. Uh, everyone's pissed off. No one knows what to do. All of this tease on the boats. They can't... The governor isn't letting the boats leave. The people aren't going to buy it. They're trying to force them to buy the shit. No one wants. Weird situation. It's kind of hard to relate to tea. I'll be honest. That's that's part of the reason, too, when you're learning about this when you're younger. I was in right seventh grade. You're like, tea? What the hell does tea matter? I mean, it's more of just government imposing it's on your life. It's the principle of the thing. It's the principle. So Sam Adams, one of the Sons of Liberty... Everyone's quarreling in this Old South meeting house. What do we do? Should we just pay for it? The majority of them were colonists. They probably pushed all of these loyalists out of the meeting. They know who they were. Sam Adams walks up to the pulpit. So this is a Puritan church. There is small stairs and a little arch that you walk through up these stairs to the pulpit. And he says before everyone at this not congregation this meeting everyone's pissed off he goes there's now nothing more this meeting can do to save the country and that was more i'd say without a doubt to me that was a code word that was a code sentence it was a signal because it was a signal everyone immediately left the the 
main leader. So Sam Adams stayed. I think he went home or he stayed at the church. Uh, uh, yeah, he, I think he stayed at the church for plausible deniability. Exactly. If I remember right. Yeah. The the uh, the majority of the people. So it said the majority of the people that boarded the boats, eighteen to twenty nine years old, and then it was weighted more heavily. Um, one third were eighteen to twenty one. So basically, eighteen to twenty five, probably the vast majority of the people, young dudes who can run quick, mm-hmm. handle heavy weights. So, so they had prepared. They had kind of prepared this, right? Oh, they were, it was they so were kind of waiting for the signal, maybe, perhaps. That was exactly. They were, I think, without a doubt, they were waiting for the signal because it's the same day, and within hours they meet back up at the docks. It's just but now too they're but now they're dressed in now they're dressed up. Yeah, yeah. All of these. So these eighteen, twenty-year-olds are all dressed up in feathers, painted black, so kind of blackface, <laughs> dressed up as quote-unquote Mohawk Indians. Yeah. Uh, take that way you will. Totally racist. Um, there's So, yeah, the plausible deniability, part of that, the reason why Sam and I were discussing this earlier, why people would paint up as Indians and do these sabotage acts, one just... Um, any onlookers there was a lot of people just watching the boston tea party go on and mm-hmm. it's just so they can say oh no it's a bunch of indians aboard of that boat what was that you mentioned it earlier that i brought up it was a uh, yeah historian phil deloria it's it's pretty interesting he kind of has this idea that people were using native american imagery to um essentially like separate uh, the colonists t- kind of trying to create this like uniquely American um, idea or theme and there was nothing at that time that was more uniquely American or uniquely continental than than Native Americans and uh, yeah. interesting interesting other point about that when you told me about this I did a little bit of research and I was listening to something um, apparently Boston you know it was a large city but it was smaller than Philadelphia smaller than New York you knew quite a lot of people in Boston. I would imagine that some people who are watching the Boston I Tea Party... I think there's only 13,000 people yeah. that lived in Boston. So, I mean, if you're one of the big crowds watching the Tea Party, I'm sure you recognize somebody. Easily. Like, easily. At least recognize one person. But, but, they're, but you know, you've got that plausible deniability, which is the whole point. If I saw someone I knew, I'd be like, damn it, why wasn't I invited? Also, just Boston Tea <laughs> yeah, Party. Right? In the first place... You go, oh, of course, Boston Tea Party. This sounds great. And then you hear the details, and you're like, wow, this is even cooler. Not the part of dressing up as Native Americans, Indians. That's pretty racist. But also, weird thing, no one was really hurt in this. The, it was about 300 people, two, 300 people board these boats. They split into three groups. One of them, interestingly, was led by a man named George Hughes, um, he was a poor shoemaker, and then someone described him as the Forrest Gump of the Boston part of the revolution. So he was at the Boston Massacre, which not many people were at. He was one of the guys that walked up to a ship's captain at the Boston Tea Party. He helped tar and feather John Malcolm, 
and then he served on a privateer during the Boston Revo- or the during the Revolution. He was the four scout, like um, you said. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. He was just at everything. I was like... Someone needs to make a movie about that guy. He was the Forrest Gump. Yeah, and part of the reason why he's uh, featured, and you'll hear about him so much, too, it's just miraculous that he was at so many things, but he also lived the longest. This It wasn't until 1830 or so that he was interviewed, so his accounts are some of the best and most quoted, I guess. Also, it wasn't known as the Boston Tea Party until around that, yeah, 1830s. More of a, they, put, they put more of a spin on it then, too. Just like the Boston Massacre. Well, so, so what happens? So they go on, they get dressed up, they go on the boats. What, what happens next? They go on the boats. They board the boats. Like I said, everything's peaceful. They walk up to the captains. So George Hughes walks up to the captain. They did this on each of the three boats. What were they called again? The uh, Beaver, Dartmouth, and the Eleanor. Walk up to the captain, and George Hughes goes... Give me the keys. He didn't want the keys of the boat. <laughs> he wanted the keys to the crates. So in the locks, everything was bolted down. It's a ship. You can't have these crates just scooting around. So gets the keys, and the captain just goes, there's probably something about, okay, you're not going to harm my men. There are semen on the boats. Yeah, there's, yuck, yuck. there's a lot of semen there's on those boats. There's a lot boats. of semen. They're, they're slipping, slipping they're all slipping over the around place. the decks. <laughs> slipping they, and sliding. They can barely throw the tea overboard. They're slipping <laughs> yeah. so much. Tar and feather themselves on accident. But uh, <laughs> they... Uh, Some people yeah, like the, it. The captain just goes, yeah, there's probably a little conversation like, you're not going to hurt anyone. No. And then he says, don't damage the boats. And they go, okay, we won't. They didn't damage the boats at all. No one was harmed during the Boston Tea Party this night. That's incredible. Except for one man, and I forget his name, but uh, I don't know if it was that. No, John Malcolm is a completely different guy. Um, but basically, one of the one of the Boston Tea Party participants started trying to loot the tea, so he grabbed a sack and just. There was different types, so there was luxury tea and just commoner tea and he was stuffing the luxury tea into a sack they're like no 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 this isn't what we're doing they ripped it from him they beat his ass and then they sent him home i forget what exactly happened but they like humiliated the shit out of this guy like pinned his clothes that he wore to his house which also it's something that could have incriminated him but it was it was part of the it's the principle it's the principle. Yeah, it they wasn't said. about getting rich for yourself. Also, the it was a low tide. It was at night, and it was a low tide, so there were just huge clumps of tea sitting in the water. And they sent little kids in boats to beat the tea down, so that people <laughs> couldn't go out later and just and bring it home. To, but there was, home. of course, just random people were coming by, like, "Oh, I can bring home twenty pounds of tea and sell it myself." Whatever. Um, wow. You just like, can you imagine what the harbor looked like? What Boston Harbor actually looked like? Oh, uh, it was totally like, just dyed brown. So many tons Probably of tea looked, in there. That's crazy. Just looked like tea. I bet them fish were buzzing. <laughs> I bet they were. They had a good night that night. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Interesting. So, so this, was, this was a huge lead-up event. To the Revolutionary War. After this, uh, 
I didn't want to go too far. So then afterwards was the coercive acts. So the the Americans called it the intolerable acts. Mm -hmm. That's in 1774, January. Like I said, the news didn't get back for six weeks. Everyone in Britain's enjoying their hating tea so much. They're enjoying their tea or their coffee. They're enjoying their tea, just living their life. And uh, figure this out and let's send those... Then they send this information back. They go, close down the ports of the Boston Harbor. Nothing's going in or out until they pass back our money. And to me, that's kind of like a siege almost. It's Mm -hmm. cutting off everyone's everyone's wages. And also, there's a lot of food and goods like salt. Yeah, it's a seaport. They get everything from the sea. Yeah. Um, you know, I was listening to an account. It was listening to an account today that said once they like blockade Boston Harbor and once they have so many troops on the ground, it's like conflict is inevitable, right? Mm-hmm. You're not, it's not like you're sending people to talk it out. You're sending soldiers. Like inherently, they're there to do violence and to repress people. Take your pick. You know, once you see that, and once you once violence is like the baseline the only thing that the colonists can do is either submit or fight they're gonna fight and they're gonna fight so it's it's almost like once those british soldiers walked into boston like the die was cast it was gonna be a fight (laughs) colonist walks up to the british soldier just standing right outside of his front door he said stern straight face he goes we're either fighting or fucking (laughs) And I think we're fighting. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how the Revolutionary War started. It really is. But then they actually ended up fucking and they had a great life together. (laughs) Yeah. They had to live in secret. Real Romeo and Juliet Uh, type story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Also, I saw that the first revolutionary battle was at Lexington and Concord. Super close to Boston. So, uh, it's funny, actually... When the British blockaded and the soldiers got there, like John Adams and a bunch of other the Patriot leaders, they left Boston and they went to Lexington and Concord mm-hmm. and they started like amassing weapons and gunpowder. And then that's what the British were trying to get to when when all that fighting went down. Interesting. It makes sense. Yeah. They. Uh, I heard that. That that was when say yeah Sam Sam Adams as well were Sam Adams and John Adams related yeah I, is I that just a I don't know if they were brothers they may have been cousins let's ask the fact checkers could they have married back then probably not yeah they're second cousins okay also it was nice it was refreshing to see John or Sam Adams role more. Because, for some reason, as a kid, also, you get you have these teachers growing up, and they'll say something, and it'll kind of stick with you. For some reason, I just always thought of Sam Adams as a, what would you call that? Someone who just provokes, he a provoker. A rabble rouser. But a rabble rouser, and he yeah. just wanted to get things started, which he somewhat was, but he was a really good organizer. And he was a leader of them of some sort, and a respected enough man well, and he did run that brewery. I wanted to drink <laughs> Sam Adams beer while I was doing this, but uh, that would've been awesome. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get it. So 
Um, well, it's dry January for those of you that celebrate. It's not really a celebration. It's more like a torture. It's just torturing yourself for a month. Yeah, it's good for you though. Yeah, Sam Adams it's went like on to become the president of the Second Continental Congress. He was a pretty smart guy. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a smart. He was a smart fella. You know who gets too I much credit? Do... John Hancock, just because he has a giant signature. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, big old signature on the paper. Pretty much, he just had good handwriting. Yeah. Okay, nerd. Yeah, that's kind of weird. You're supposed to have bad handwriting. Like yeah. doctors. Like doctors. Who are also nerds. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got today. I hope someone learned something different. This uh, It was nice to go through things and get a more... Uh, get a perspective that was more... I don't know how to say humanist. Just try to picture the things in modern terms or to relate to them Mm -hmm. because especially revolutionary war for some reason is hard to relate to it's just so different and their lifestyles were so much different more different than ours and i think we can't we can't even imagine what it was actually like to live back then you know it's really completely different lifestyle i mean t like you said that was the funniest thing t was the only thing you had in your shitty life (laughs) Yeah, I think one of these, I don't know if it was one of these ships, the one of those three, Beaver, Dartmouth, or the Eleanor, there, it was either one of those ships or there was supposed to be a fourth ship, so there was a smallpox outbreak mm-hmm. that was happening somewhere, and either one of those ships got turned back from that smallpox harbor or there was going to be another ship that couldn't leave mm-hmm. because of the outbreak. Couldn't tell you. Um, I don't know, for whatever reason, I was thinking that England was bringing some of the tea from India, but the Indian teas didn't really exist until, I think, the 1900s. Yeah. So this is all Chinese tea? This Yeah, this is when the British are, are just putting a bunch of... Their, uh, later on in the year, they're going to... In the next uh, century, I think they're going to put a bunch of... Uh, Heroin and opium in China for the tea. <laughs> I was about to ask about that. Yeah, yeah, and they did. They uh, and they're gonna take India in the 1800s too. So the British, even though the British lose to lose the North American colonies, they end up doing pretty good. Yeah, that's not cozy, but I thought the topic was extremely cozy. Thank you. I think it's pretty cozy too. Yeah, and I think a lot of the listeners would uh, probably help out in some way. Oh yeah, they would get. We're not. They would dress up in a respectful, appropriate manner. Yeah. Just wear a mask. Just wear a mask. People. You don't have to paint up blackface <laughs> and dress as an Indian. Just wear a mask. Yeah. Not necessarily a, the surgical masks, but something more Halloween-related. And gloves so they can't find your fingerprints now. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, there's too much. Yeah, but, uh, you, could, you, you could get away with that stuff easier back then, for sure. Well, man, thanks so much for presenting. I thought that was a great topic. Very timely. Very timely here. We're, we're getting up to the 250th anniversary of American independence, too, in just yeah. two years. So that's going to be big. I'm excited. I am, too. I'm excited to be an American, let's be honest. It's not too bad. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be a lot worse. Could be worse. 
I just got a little excited, Sam goes. Eh. Well, thank you all for listening. We love you guys. And stay cozy.